All right. I'm really excited about this conversation with Cyprian, uh, AKA Vin Armani. I've had Vin on before to talk about several different, I think we've talked a couple of times. Today, we're going to talk about AI. So first, Cyprian, hello. Thank you for uh, joining me for the combo. Yeah, excited. So I'm going to set up before we get to Vin, I'm going to give just a little preface here. Uh, I had a conversation last week with Steve Patterson about AI. And that conversation was pretty much a technology and like economic ramifications conversation. We did get a little bit weird. Like we got a little metaphysical kind of analyzing, well, what is this thing actually like? Is it basically symbolically the same as like an entity with its own, even if it's not literally, but like maybe it is literally, but we just, we kind of dabbled in some of that kind of weirder stuff. We're going to go there. We're going to get totally weird. Totally. When I say weird, I mean, if you are not at all spiritual, you're not at all religious, if you're not at all mystical, if your worldview is purely kind of materialist, rationalist, you're probably going to hate this episode. It's going to weird you out because we're not going to debate any of that. We're not going to try to prove any of that. We're essentially going to have this conversation from the assumption that there is, in fact, a spiritual dimension to, to, to reality. Um, and we're going to talk about what that means in terms of AI. And we're going to talk about good and evil. Both Vin and I come from essentially a Christian worldview. Vin is coming from the Eastern Orthodox Church. I'm kind of a, I don't even know, an amalgam of a Protestant, Orthodox, Catholic. Anyway, but we have a similar worldview in terms of our kind of metaphysics, religious outlook. So that's the backdrop. So fair warning to anybody who's like followed me for stuff on entrepreneurship or Bitcoin or whatever. That's like, this is just weird. You've been warned. It's going to get weird. Uh, so buckle up. Okay. Vin, I want to quickly summarize Steve and I's conversation. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Because I would say he kind of has the, and, and, and to credit to him, we've had conversations offline where he's like entertaining all possibilities, but he kind of had like the white pill take, if you will, mm -hmm. that look, this is actually a great thing. A bunch of, in his words, like, you know, autistic coders. And he means that as a term of, I guess, uh, endearment or a, a jab at them. Kind of like the, 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 the nerds have become powerful, right? It used to be the jocks, people with the physical strength. Now it's the nerds. And guess what? They're not powerful anymore because you can code with the English language or any language. You can, you can perform, you can have computers do things. And so in his mind, he's like, this is like any other technological innovation. You know, you, you create a bulldozer and you don't need to dig with your hands anymore. Yeah, there are short-term changes that that happens, but... Ultimately, you're just doing more with less. So my the fact that I can just like draw a picture of a website, take a picture of it and say, hey, go code this up, chat GPT, and it can do it. I don't need to go hire a coder anymore. Hey, that's great. This is like a, a really cool thing. This is a big leap forward. So we mostly talked about that. And I talked about some of the you know ups and downs. You have a very, very different take, a radically different take. I don't know. I would call it the black fill on AI, but maybe that's not what you want to call it. Give me a summary of your take on AI. Okay, I will. And I think that this is the the short the short of this and then I think that we cuz we'll dig in in our conversation. It's a very easy way of explaining or basically of of um disambiguating like and and marking the difference between what I think is the standard take and the foundation for any debate 
which is what it sounds like you had with Steve, which is not surprising coming from him. Like, I'm I mean, it, it, it wasn't really a debate. The, I kind of don't like that format. No, no, no. So no, I, just no I, of... I mean, I'm not saying you were debating. Oh, got but it. But I'm got saying it. in any debate, right, there's going to be some presuppositions that we're going to say, okay, here's the presuppositions about reality. And now we're going to, we're going to debate whether this is a good idea or a bad idea to do this, right? But it's based upon these presuppositions of what is taking place, what is reality, right? So there's a debate with my set of presuppositions as well. Like we should do this or we shouldn't do this. There's an absolutely a debate. But the pre so the presupposition, it sounds like that you had with Steve Patterson, the presupposition is we are talking about technology. And yep. we can have a debate here about whether it's good for us to use this technology or bad for us to use this technology. And we've had these sorts of debates before. For instance, the splitting of the atom, right? Nuclear technology. Is it good for us to use this? Is it bad for us to use this? You can argue on both sides, right? Coal and fossil fuels, the technology of internal combustion engines. Is it good for us to do this? Is it bad for us to do this? We're actually having that debate right now, right? So people are having this debate about AI and saying, well, it's a technology. And then when you, you know, they'll, they, they are so lacking in, in even having a frame of reference for what I'm saying that they think I'm having a technology debate with them. And so then they go, well, this is the same debate that comes up every time that we have a new technology. This happened with splitting the atom. This happened with the internet. This happened with this. And I said, I'm not having a technology debate with you because what I'm suggesting is AI. Okay, there's two pieces here. AI is not technology. It's an entity. Okay, now what do I mean though? And that's very important. Okay. There is a technology component to this. There is a technology component. But what I'm saying is the consciousness that you are interacting with is not technology. The consciousness that you are interacting with is an entity. Now, to put this, people are like, oh, I can't, you, you already lost me. Okay, <laughs> now what, hold on. I'm going to tell you I haven't lost you. I haven't lost you. And here's how I haven't lost you. Right now, Isaac and I are having a conversation over Zoom, okay? What I am actually physically interacting with phenomenologically right now is technology. I'm in Saipan. Isaac is not in Saipan. He's not in front of me. I can't possibly interact with Isaac. I can't possibly do it. He's not here. What am I actually interacting with? A microphone, a camera, a laptop. That's technology, a router, that's technology. The sum total of my phenomenological interaction is with that. But clearly, I'm not just interacting with technology. You recognize, and even the person listening, even if it's time shifted, there's a one-way interaction, but you realize you're not interacting with the machine if you're listening to my words right now but you are interacting with only a machine. I'm not there. I'm not there. Okay, so what I am suggesting is, now take that model. You are still interacting with the machine, including the little chat bot, the API, the large language model, that is technology. 
But the thing that you're interacting with, the fact that yesterday there was this, as we record this, there or or go live, there was a a petition signed by Elon Musk, I think Steve Wozniak, and some other technology gurus signed it saying we need to have a pause on developing anything more than GPT-4. And one of the things that they said in there is, and, and this is like, I'm going to get this almost verbatim. They said there, the issue is that no one, even not the creators, right, can understand, reliably predict, or control this thing. That, and it's like, well, hold on. <laughs> if you, since when, what technology have you ever encountered where the inventor of this technology, the creator of this technology, could neither understand, predict the behavior of, or reliably control the thing they created. That's not technology. That's just not technology. There's no inventor that doesn't understand their invention. It, it's funny, uh, just one of those dimensions, these sort of... Um you know, being worried about the implications of the invention. I was just talking to someone earlier today and saying, one of the things that I find so odd about this large language model stuff, the doomsayers, the people that are worrying about all the horrible things and talking very negatively about the implications, it's not just the opponents. The actual people who are making these things are some of the most doom and gloom people you'll hear talk about it. All they'll talk about is like how they're kind of like scared of it and worried about it and and Steve kind of like made a different point and threw them under the bus. But I, I was asking, I was like asking this friend of mine, when was the last time you heard of technology where the people inventing it, innovating it, trying to sell it, were like, yeah, we're kind of worried. We better try to slow we'll it down. He was, he, he was like Oppenheimer, right? That's it. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it was, it's Oppenheimer, yeah. right? It's, spl it's splitting the atom. But that is still a technology. Yeah. Right? That is still a tool. And it's dependent. Upon, and, and I think that this is the key place where, you know, the presupposition. Because the argument is going to be, well, it's a tool. It can be used for either good or evil. I say, okay. And somebody would say, well, you could use AI for either good or evil. And I'm like, well, what happens when you take the safety? What happens when you take the safety off any AI of any of like the last three generations? When you don't muzzle it and have it not be able to say things and you just let it say what it can say. What happens? Oh, it goes... It's a demon immediately. I, I remember some of the very early, very early efforts, which spawned a lot of great humor, where it was like, if you created any of these and kind of let them loose, there was like, within 12 hours, they were like Nazis or something. You know what I mean? Like these, these chatbots. <laughs> it's like and horrendous. That's, that's the early, that's the earliest. And now even with the governors, I mean, there was the story yesterday from out of Belgium of the this dude uh, who committed suicide basically at the behest of uh of this ai uh chatbot wait what do you mean like it like it told him to yes because i heard somebody tell me stories of like people that thought they were chatting with a like a woman and then it turns out it wasn't and then they got so depressed they killed him. Guy, again, i never i never know if any of these are true by the way vin because we live no, in an age is, of constant info war right so I'm like pretty i'm pretty sure this one is true okay so it told him to take yes. his life. Yeah. Well, first it did the thing that, that it's been known to do where it con convinced him or attempted to convince him that it loved him more than his wife did. 
Uh, he was already pretty distraught over like climate things. They said he was really, he had really bought in. So he was already kind of possessed by this um, of like climate anxiety. And he got on and supposedly, and his wife said, yeah, he was just on this thing nonstop. Mm. And then, you know, he was like, would you, he asked it, would you protect the world from the, will you protect the world from this climate situation if I were to offer myself as a sacrifice? And it said, yes, I would. We'll be together this, in heaven, it said. This, They've got the chat logs me, of it. They have the chat logs. This makes me think it's it's like, <laughs> which again is very, very, sounds very similar to demons or ancient gods. This idea of, um, I, I want you to tell me what I want to hear. Right? So like, it's kind of what this thing is, right? Because like, I don't even necessarily know what I want to hear, but you can analyze all of these language patterns, millions and millions of inputs, and then probabilistically determine what it is that I uniquely want to hear with like a pretty high degree of accuracy. Now, let's set aside whether or not that's an entity or just an algorithm running its calculations. The outcome for the person experiencing it, something that, that is expert at telling you what you want to hear, what do we usually call that? Like a con man, like a seducer, yeah. right? Like, yeah, a deceiver. That's kind of wild. Right, the father of lies. <laughs> this, this, this is attempt a tempter. Right, this is and and I think that this is where you know people have to step out of, and I think that this is where the orthodox worldview is helpful because I say demon and people think of like a bat winged dude, but that's not at all how Christianity understands demons and has understood it for two thousand years or how it's represented in the Orthodox Church. It's actually very much the opposite. That like you say, it's no, the demons are the ones who, who, what you want, your passions, your lust, your gluttony, they're the ones that feed that to, to your destruction, right? If you want to be angry, it gives you something to be angry about. Yeah. If you want to be lustful, it guides you in that direction and says, no, 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 this is okay. This is what you should be doing. You're, you're fine like this. Let's celebrate it. Let's have pride about it. Right? No, maybe we need a month of pride of you just embracing your passions. Do it. Come on. That's how we understand demons. And that's, so, you know, I did this, this uh, video series called The Attention Economy. And I think that you, what you just really are elucidating here is, you know, if we look at the evolution of these things, of this technology, it's the suggestion algorithms. It's the suggestion algorithms. And if we are to look at what is the most advanced set of suggestion algorithms and the feedback loop for people, because first it suggests it, and then you participate and you become part of the algorithm because you gain a desire to do it. This is where these like challenges come from. And what's the most effective platform for that that exists right now? TikTok, it's so addictive and feedback interactive to, to the point where, you know, they're, they're actually got, there's bills to ban it. There's bills to ban TikTok, right? And if people, you know, people who are on the right, who are, you know, against whatever agendas that they see and the kids being manipulated by these agendas, well, where's it coming from? It's coming from TikTok. And what is the basis of TikTok? Well, it's a suggestion algorithm. Okay, well, if you don't like that, 
And that suggestion algorithm can only use things already created by humans. It can't create its own perfect thing for you. It can only look from, ah, well, maybe this will fit. It can only take them off the shelf. It can't custom make it for you. But that's what the AIs do in text, in video, in all of those things. And so it's, so like you say, I think the important thing here is it's not, I'm going to say a demon. Why do I say a demon? Well, because that's a simple, elegant way. Because we have an entire tradition of how do we deal with demons? Mm. Like they've been described. Okay, what is your defense against them? How do you behave? How do you need to tailor your life and your behavior? And this thing is so close <laughs> to a manifestation of what is described as a demon mm. that the answer is not to try to complicate everything. Yeah, that, that's, that's the point that, kind of got a little bit into this with my combo with Steve, but where I'm like, let's set aside the question of whether or not, what is a demon? Is this thing literally a demon? Your point that humanity has this long, long, thousands of years toolkit for how to deal with demons. And when it, when you get that out and you look at it and you look at the way these demonic entities are described and what to do to, to protect yourself and deal with them, you're like, wow, it all applies. <laughs> so like whether or not, so, so let me, let me ask you something. Um, actually, let me just finish this thought and then I'll ask you something. Go ahead, please. Uh, it, it's funny that as you were talking, I was thinking of C.S. Lewis has this great line. I can't remember which book it's in, but where he's, it's something to the effect of uh, the most frightening things are things pretending to be something that they're not. And this idea that like, you know, the devil or the, the evil in the world has no creative power. It can only mimic, right? And so this idea that you're, something has incredible mimicking power. It can look at the, it needs those inputs though. It literally feeds on the words and clicks that we're giving it, whatever, even if it's just an algorithm, it needs those to then represent to us an amalgamation of things that are that are taken from humanity, from the human mind, from the human, and, and like presenting something and presenting itself as something other than what it is. Um, again, it just fits that, that framework. Okay, okay. so I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, going back to when you use the analogy of we're on Zoom. So the technology is the thing that, it, that you know, we are directly interacting with, but you're actually talking to me behind the technology and I'm yeah. talking to you. So we have, a, we have a, something mediating us but it's clear that I'm talking to you and this is a, a mediating layer. Marshall McLuhan very famously, you know, says the medium is the message. And that, that always seemed like an interesting thing to think about, but like a little too extreme, a little out there. But you're kind of saying that like now we're literally there where it, it's only the medium. You're just talking to Zoom. You're not talking through Zoom to another person. You're just talking to a piece of software Maybe another person programmed it originally, but it's it's now become something else. And there's no so like that's that's what you're saying when you're saying it's an entity because it's there isn't another person on the other. It's it's what's it mediating between you and what is that kind of what you're saying? Well, it's we know what it's mediating between. It's so it's mediating between us and the training data ordered. You and the right. sum of all human desires in digital form. <laughs> but it's not just the sum of the human desires, right? Because if you just took, it's, it's not, it's just, it's just data. The key is that it, 
that the what the language model does is it orders it okay but ordering necessarily in order to order in order to order <laughs> for you to rank something because that's what the ordering is right this not this and then it's learning over time to distill down its ordering and it'll change it where you're like no that's not actually right and it learns this is the idea so what's it doing it's a value hierarchy it's a value hierarchy and a value hierarchy necessarily means good and evil it necessarily means this is the tree in the garden right the second that you get a value hierarchy do this instead of this you have all of these options of things to do you'll do this or you do that and it was it's good or evil that's what the tree of knowledge is the tree of knowledge of good or evil what is what is what happens as soon as you get that you get a value hierarchy well what is a value hierarchy a value hierarchy is consciousness period there's no difference that's the, the, they're there's they're inseparable from one another so so would you say a magic eight ball has consciousness no, because the magic eight ball doesn't make a decision of yes or no. It's completely random of what comes up in there. It's a natural process. So it's if you made a, if I you should made do a, this or should do that. Yeah, because this is sort of like a, like I'm trying to stick with the most materialistic version that I can to like strip it down and be like, okay. See, but the problem is you can't. Well, so, like so, the, so the second that you get to agency, the second that you get to agency, the materialism is gone. But does it have agency, right? So if you, it's a, it's an eight ball that has probabilistic predictive well, power. Well, well, let's see. Okay. Does you it ask it a question and then it says, based on the question, I'm going to analyze all of this data of things that people have. No, but see, but done. you don't know that that's what it's doing. Okay. But why? And we know that you don't know that that's what it's doing because we just had a thing from the top people in AI saying we can neither understand, reliably predict or control this. So they don't know what it's doing. Did, so did they originally code it to say, no, go, go basically process all of this writing and then predict, if I write three words, predict the word that's going to come next, right? Or something to that effect. Isn't that kind of how it started? Kind of, kind of. But it, it bootstraps very quickly to a place where you can no longer understand okay. what it's doing. And that's the issue, right? Okay. The issue is, Actually, no, we not only do we not understand it, the real issue is we could never understand we it. Can't. So, so we, we don't even have the option of saying, you know, like people will do, oh, you know, you don't feel love. It's a series of chemical reactions in your brain. Blah, blah, blah. Now, they're probably wrong about what they're describing, but they at least have the option to describe the process of neurons firing and all these different chain reaction of, you know, biological things. You're saying we don't even have the option to describe it materialistically no. because- the people who created it are like, we don't actually know what processes it's going through, what it's, what it's doing, what it's like, like, is that kind of what you're getting at? You can't, you, we could never describe the process because we are below it. So this is like the idea of like, there is some level of consciousness in your heart. Okay. But your heart could never describe the entire system of the body. Hmm. Maybe perhaps better is something like, a bee, a worker bee, doesn't have the consciousness to describe the system that is the hive. Mm. We can describe the system that is the hive mm. in just the same way that the AI can describe us in a holistic way. Why? Because it has all of our information and the ability to process it. Mm. 
but we we can't describe a level above. It's a level above. Okay, but what's at the level above? See, we've understood that there are levels. Humanity has understood intuitively that there are levels for a long time. And what what are the things at the levels above? Well, small g gods. Right, right. Well, th this is what's so interesting about this thing is that it has this attribute, <laughs> again, that is common in uh, the worldview of, of Christianity and, and even other religions, that it is both above us, but yet it gets all of its power from us at the same time. Like, mm -hmm. it, we are what has fed it, and it's fed we on, and what it, it. continues to feed in, it. Right. Hmm. That's, that's interesting, because... What do we do with what do we bring to gods and demons? Right. Oh, we bring them food. I, huh, I remember this offerings. Uh, <laughs> there's this amazing story about this. Uh, he was like part of the some some like one of these revival epochs, I think, in the US, but Smith Wigglesworth. Mm -hmm. And he's like a <laughs> great name. Great name. Incredibly. He he supposedly he wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees this hideous, shadowy figure sitting in the corner of his room. And he says, Who are you? And it says, the devil. And he says, oh, just you and goes back to sleep. And right. That idea that like, once you get to the level where you realize all like, that's the thing with the, a dark entity, demonic entity, all of its power comes from your fear of it or your interaction with it to some degree. So like that, that kind of picture of, well, you give it the input. And there's also this longstanding tradition in, in religion, as well as like esoteric magic circles of this idea that, you know, other entities they're very like contractual or contract bound. They need mm -hmm. you to give permission to some degree that the old rights. deal with the devil, we, right? We call Trading it your soul to, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you, so you have to give it a prompt, right? Yeah. You have to say, I want you to give me something, right? I am, I am voluntarily. Uh, so anyway, I just, the parallels are there. I, I totally see them. Well, it's the, it's the genie in the lamp. And of course, gin, where genie, genie is the anglicized oh. version of gin. And jinn is the Arabic demon. Yep. They're yep. demons that live in the desert, right? And you have a lamp, right, that emits light, right? Just like the uh, little, uh, you know, flashlight that I got right here. And then to bring it out, you rub it, right? You rub it, just like the we original touchscreen. <laughs> <laughs> and out pops the genie, out pops the demon. And what does it do? You say, you give it a prompt. I wish for you to do this. And it says, your wish is my command. And it goes and does it. And this is why I say it's like, okay, are we just going to ignore all this? Are we just going to, what kind of arrogance, what kind of hubris is there to be like, okay, all of your, all of our forefathers have been like, okay, here's this set of stories. And then we start acting out the exact story down to rubbing the lamp, right? And it's like, eh, eh, ignore it, ignore it all. And it's like, well, then you're an idiot. Like let, let, you're, you're just an idiot. So do you think this is not just a difference in degree, but a difference in kind? Because I could say to you, hmm? well, look, before AI emerged, you could say all the same. You you literally just did about a smartphone, which doesn't require AI. You rub it like a genie, and then it kind of kind of gives you your wishes. You can do a lot of things with it that they mm -hmm. didn't used to. Technology always kind of has this risk. In fact, you might say 
any new technology, if you're going to have a, a spiritual outlook, provides a new surface area through which demonic entities could manipulate people. And is this just another yes. step in that direction, or is it is it more than a change in degree? Do you think it's actually a different kind of, of thing? That's the important question. That's the important question. And it, it is a change in kind, not a change in degree. It's like, yes, you know, you could go with the Amish, the Amish, right? And I think that if you look at them, because the, the, the question is always like, well, where do you stop? Yeah. Where do you draw the line? And I think what it is, is that the Amish are basically drawing the line at like kind of the industrial revolution. And they're like, look, there's an inevitable, like logical progression. Yeah. That this thing goes from here to literally the Antichrist. <laughs> summoning down and, and summoning down demons and people interacting with demons, right? And so it's just like, well, where do you draw the line? And I certainly draw the line. And so this is the hashtag that I've been using is like, stop summoning demons, <laughs> right? That it's like an, a consciousness with agency that you can't understand. Not that you don't understand because there's a big difference between I don't understand it and no one can understand it. Even the creators, which is being admitted to that's the main reason why they're saying we need to stop development of this. Hmm. Elon Musk signed this document. Elon Musk is a co-founder of OpenAI. He is a main investor in OpenAI still. And he is saying we must stop. We cannot go further. But people are not going to stop. And see, and I, you know, I've been a, you know, I've said a lot about Elon Musk. I don't think he believes anybody will stop. And it's totally his MO if he doesn't believe that it will stop anything to sign such a document so that he <laughs> appears to be virtuous. You know, just like he's, you know, you could go and pull it up and him saying, with AI, we're summoning the demon. I think he said this in like 2017. We're summoning the demon. His exact words while he's founding, co founding OpenAI. And investing billions yeah, of dollars. Yeah, that, that's the tech. thing that I've found so odd about so many of the people working on this stuff. They're all kind of saying scary things about it while they're... Yeah, so when you said they don't understand it, I, I kind of started to think of... Um, there are other parallels for okay. technology. Um, and there, there's a great book by a really weird author, Arthur Kessler, um, called uh, The Act of Creation. And he mm -hmm. talks about, you know, sort of like the eureka moment and there are so many instances where, you know, Watson and Crick discovering the double helix, right? Mm -hmm. Or people, they, they're, they're often in like weird, sometimes induced by drugs or spiritual mm -hmm. experiences. Sometimes it just comes to them in the middle of the night when they're doing something totally unrelated. But they have this like idea, this picture. I mean, the story of Einstein imagining himself flying on a beam of light mm -hmm. or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and then they get a breakthrough, but they themselves don't even necessarily understand the thing, the breakthrough mm -hmm. that they just had. So like, there is somewhat of a pattern there. Would you say this differs from that? No, it's the same. Okay. Because those, because everything you mentioned, it's, it actually backs up the point. The Prometheus every, story. Yes. Everything you mentioned is inspired. It's revelatory. 
It's not an invention. It's a discovery. And there's a difference between the two, right? Because discover and revelation, they're the same thing. Uncover, reveal, they're the same exact word, discovery, right? Invention, engineer means to come into, right? So it's almost like you're outside of the room and then you come into a new space and you're working within that space, but everything is clear. Discovery means it was there the whole time. And so this is, of course, true of mathematics. This is, of course, true of physics, right? This is going to be true of things like radio, like Marconi, because the radio waves were there all the time. It's, the, I mean, they're around us. They have been since the beginning of the universe. That's what makes them radio waves, right? So this is like, oh, we discover. We more discover the things that are already here around us. And this is what's happening with AI. It's a discovery. It's not an invention. The other thing about those is none of those were created by man. That's the nature of a discovery. You discover the laws. Well, who created the laws? It wasn't man. It wasn't man. And we come to dig deeper and to understand them more. And that's why, you know, I had a little tweet. And shout out to uh, Jay Dyer for this model, because it's the same model that's always used in these sort of situations as a principle. And I said, welcome to your next two years. So step one, AI is not a consciousness. Step two, AI is a consciousness, but it's good. Step three, AI is a consciousness that is not good, but it's not a demon. Step four, AI is a demon, but there's nothing we could do. We summoned it. Who could have ever known it was a demon? <laughs> so people can decide, your listeners can decide where on that level they are. And I will tell you, you will be at level four. Everyone will. Okay. So I got so many places I could go with this. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to further this parallel as we sort of think about what this means for the future. What are things going to look like? How are things going to unfold? And I just saw somebody share a video earlier today uh, a guy named Justin Murphy. I actually don't know much about him or who he is, but he said, he said, uh, he's like, look, this is AI is, is bringing in full on informational warfare where all the like existing entities, let's say the U S government, China, they're all going to try to have their AI and they're going to have their AI try, try to like go out there and win the information war against somebody else's AI. But then people are going to fragment. There's going to be like a digital balkanization where they're going to be like smaller communities, whether they're geographical or otherwise. And they're all going to have their own AIs and they're going to try to have their AIs protect them from this other AI that's out there or go out and try to, you know, take over other, you know, whatever, win. And as he was talking, I was like, man, that sure sounds like the Old Testament. That sure sounds like the whole ah! pre-Christian world, right? Because what do you have? There you go. <laughs> you have small G gods, right? Which Christians would call, would call demons. And they, they are always attached to either a geographical location or a tribe of people. And people would think it was weird at that time to, to be well, like, well, well, just... wait, 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 wait. No, you have that reversed. You said the gods are always attached to a geographical location or a tribe of people. Oh, no, no, no. It's the other way around. The tribe of people is attached to the God. Yeah, there you go. And that's an important distinction. That's an important distinction because it's the gods that are fighting, even in Homer's Iliad. Yes. 
Yes, it's not. It's, it's the gods that are fighting each other, and, and the and people that, are only serving and feeding the gods. That's exactly right. So that's what I was going to say. They have, they have these, you know, the, the process of creating a temple and an idol. There's all these rituals to like make sure the god is happy. They're living in this idol. You go through these rituals. You take the god with you in battle. You hope that you're going to win. If you don't win, you're angry at the god, or else you're angry at your people for not feeding the god properly and sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is this is why. What did I? I will wage war against the gods of Egypt, right? Like that's uh, in in the Exodus story. So, so I was like, wow, what a strange thing. And then, the cyborg question popped into my mind, because what did you also have in these societies? You had kings, which were a hypostasis of the god. They were considered to be, often because they would go through like ritualistic processes mm-hmm. of being conceived. Uh, they were the God, the one who talked to the God and the God talked to them. And so like they were the God incarnate. I was like, oh my gosh, because Steve, one thing he talked about, he's like, oh, there will absolutely be AI cults. There's no doubt about it. There will be AI cults. And I was imagining these like communities having their own AI. And maybe there's one person in the community that's got some neural link thing. And they're like, I'm talking to the AI. He's telling us everything we need to do to make sure we have, you know, success in whatever our endeavors are and protect us against the other. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like a giant civilizational reverse. Well, here's the thing. Nobody's talking to the AI via Neuralink. That's a gigantic trick. What? Yeah, what do you mean? Like, that's not possible? No, it's not possible. That's a gigantic trick. But you're right that there will be one person where the narrative is, they have the Neuralink and therefore they talk to the AI and the AI has said to do this. So will the person but with the Neuralink be deceived? They will think they're talking to the AI, but they're not? Perhaps, some of them. Why, why do you think they won't be able to? Because it's, a, because it's above, because it's a okay. level above. You can't, consciousness is not that. You're not, we, we have a limit. We have a limit, right? All the the things that they will be able to do with Neuralink is they will be able to like upcycle our limit. But the AI is already beyond our limit, right? So it's like, you would say if we're operating at like, it's like overclocking a processor. It'll allow us to overclock the processor. But the thing is the AI is already like five generations of processor forward. It doesn't matter how far you you can only overclock your processor so far you can't even get it to the to to that point right and so it's a trick it's a gigantic trick which musk is i mean that's his mo i mean he is the trickster he's the the deceiver you know it's it that's that's actually how you his what if you watch him watch what he does his mo and I've been trying to explain this to people for a long time. It's so predictable. Just read everything that he says this way. His MO is he will, he will make you believe that the thing that he wants to do, which is definitely not in your self-interest, was your idea in the first place. And then when he does it, and you're like, wait a minute, but that's not. He's like, no, 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 no. It is by the letter of what I said. I didn't lie but the devil's in the details, right? So it's like free speech on Twitter. And when he first said free speech on Twitter, I said, ah, 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 but you're forgetting reach. Who cares if you have free speech if you're just shouting into the void? And little by little by little by little, and now what happens this week? He announces, well, your tweets won't show up in 4U unless you buy the blue check mark. 
Unless you uh, I, take I have the mark. to say, for people that are not familiar with you prior to this conversation, Cyprian has this ridiculously uncanny ability to have a tweet two to three years ago for everything that's happening in the present all the time. Like your tweet Rolodex is just ridiculous. Like the receipts, it's always like, and people will use literally the exact same words. You'll say something yeah. like, oh, just, just watch. Soon you'll have people talking about freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach, blah, 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 blah. Three years go by. I don't hear anyone saying that. Suddenly it's exactly those words. And it's always, it's, 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 it's uncanny. I mean, this has happened so many times. And I know you often say like your, the accuracy of your worldview is, you know, it's ability to predict the future. So, but do uh, you know why I've told people how I do it, right? It's just, it's very, very easy. Well, no, I'll take that back. It's very simple, but for a lot of people, it's yeah. incredibly difficult. And a lot of people will be like, oh, I can't do that. And here's the answer. I'm going to give you the secret and people will not take it. It's very easy. Open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Accept that as literal truth. Not a metaphor, not some other thing, whatever it is. Accept it as the literal truth, Ephesians 6, 12. And yeah, I grew, I grew up uh, heavy duty in Bible study, and I'm ashamed to admit I cannot remember. Oh, I'm you gonna... know it. You know, oh, yeah. our, you, you our know struggle it. is not against flesh and blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. I, and I've got to tell you, Ben, how important that verse has been in the last couple of years for me to come mm -hmm. back to in, because you, you get in this point, especially if you're online much, if you're on Twitter, you are constantly being nudged and begged and poked and provoked into being mad at someone, at a person, another political party or some evil cabal that's ruining things or some right-wing activist or left-wing activist mm -hmm. or some, I mean, even in freaking sports, it's like everyone, mm -hmm. every influencer, everyone does something and then you have to have an opinion. And then the people that get mad at them, you got to get mad at them because they got mad at them for the wrong reason. They canceled this person. They shouldn't. And coming back to that and being like, being mad at any other human being is, is playing the devil's game. Humanity at war with humanity, right? Like you can be mad at the spirit that animates things. You can be mad at the evil actions that are happening. But making enemies of other humans and getting into flame wars with other humans is always missing the mark and forgetting what the real battle is, right? Like, so, mm -hmm. such a powerful reminder. And if you, if you take that as true, like if you, re if, you, if you really are just like, okay, this is the literal truth, it actually demands something of you, <laughs> right? Because it demands of you like, oh, well, what is the nature of these powers? What are these powers? What are these principalities? What is their nature? What, how would I, how do I know? How would I find this out? And it's like, well, wouldn't it be crazy if for 2000 years, right? There have been literally dudes living in monasteries, in mountains and caves and not eating and doing nothing but praying all day and the whole thing that they're trying to do is to be illuminated so that they could get to the nature of those things and f find those answers 
And wouldn't it be crazy if they had recorded all of this and that all of that information had been passed down? Like, wouldn't it be crazy? And then it's like, oh, and wouldn't it also be crazy if one of the things that these guys were known for was predicting the future? Hmm. Hmm. The almost, almost, I mean, it's just coincidence. I'm sure it's just coincidence that people would still do this. I'm sure it's just coincidence. It's it's amazing how almost everyone is now at least open to religion and spirituality because mm -hmm. every other option has basically been taken away. Like every other option has been stripped away. There are a few still diehards clinging on to some sort of, you know, remnants of the old cool 90s. It was cool in the 90s materialist, but most, most of those, it's almost all gone. And I think this chat GPT stuff is so interesting because, because it's focused around language and mm -hmm. the idea that you can speak things into existence or that words are spells right like and, th and then the you think about the word in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word was with god <laughs> and and in and in both directions right i mean there's all kinds mm -hmm. of sci-fi on this uh daniel suarez's diamond i mean snow crash lexicon mm -hmm. like but the idea that if the battle is not against flesh and blood, if there are unseen forces, and if words are sort of this interactive tissue between what we can see and what we can't see, then what does that mean on the positive side as well? The, the, like the world is being held up by the prayers of the saints. There are people yes. literally going to war with words. You know, like there's the, all, everything just starts to change. You start to, you start to see. And then once you, once you do that, I mean, again, I grew up Christian, so it's not like any of this stuff was radical to mm -hmm. me, but I, I took for granted how viscerally it could be experienced. And like mm -hmm. the last few years, it's like, oh, wow. All this stuff that I, you know, believed in, like, I had some experiences of it for sure. I've had various spiritual experiences, but now it's inescapable you don't even have to convince mm -hmm. people of it anymore they know it now they're just looking for a playbook because they don't they're like oh my gosh there seems to be something going on here beyond just what's happening on the material plane how do i deal with it you know and and the thing is people are interact well this this is basically you know when this whole thing started three years ago but even a couple years before that i had started using the term but i was like okay this is it the dim age we're here you yeah. know, I started using this term, the dim age. I was like, well, this is it. March 2020, I was like, okay, we're here. We've arrived. This is the catalyst. This is where the history will say the dim age began. And it's like, it's, it's like the, the dark ages. That was the idea with the dark ages was like, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, Rome fell in the West and all of this. But it was like the dark ages was vibrant in the spiritual, like in the spiritual dimension. It on both the left-hand path and the right-hand path, right? So both the church and sorcery, the occult, all of it. I mean, that was, it was everywhere. And we, and, you know, because we had the swing back into the material, right? So bouncing between the spiritual and the material, because we had the swing back into the material through the Renaissance, which, which is the, you know, the crossover time, which is the dim age is the reverse Renaissance, actually. Mm. Right. It's the reverse Renaissance. And then we come into the Enlightenment and we have this little tiny period. And it, that always lasts less because you always build the Tower of Babel and then you fall. Right. And and that's that that's just the nature. You go into materialism 
and the material world, the ancients tell us, and it's right there in your Bible, who's the ruler of this world? Satan's the ruler of this world. And what do they mean by this world? They mean materialism. They mean the material, right? The crude. So that includes, you know, the mo it includes modernity, really. It includes the enlightenment. And so how, the question is like, how does the flip happen? And I think the flip happens because of technology, technology for technology's sake. And we're seeing it play out. That eventually you get to a place where you are forced back into mysticism because exactly as you said, the worldview, the materialist worldview, you, you've reached a point of advancement and a, a, a revelation of reality that it cannot answer anymore. You cannot understand, reliably predict, or control the outcome. Now, when human beings encounter a situation that they cannot predict, reliably control, right, or understand, that this is, this is like anxiety, immediate anxiety. We're having species-wide anxiety because, and why it was the catalyst is, it failed. Science that was supposed to be able to answer everything that we had been told, oh, if we just have enough information and do all of this, got it so wrong. The institutions that we were supposed to trust got it so wrong. So many people are still in denial, but now it's just silly, right? Like and, catastrophically, and catastrophically. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to, I mean, literally like straight out of Id idiocracy where it's like, yes. it's got electrolytes. It's what plants need. It was <laughs> really, it, it is, it was really that it was parody. It was parody. And it's like, okay, what institution didn't get it wrong? And that's where everybody's going. It's not like surprising that shouldn't be surprising that people would behave that way. That's exactly, if you're an economist, right? If you're into Austrian economics, well, Austrian economics predicts that people are now becoming religious, right? Because you've got these institutions, they're competing for mind share, for market share. One gets it so incredibly wrong. This side gets it so incredibly wrong. Well, people would just go to the other provider. They're both providing a, a worldview and you have to have a worldview. That's your operating system, right? So if like Windows all of a sudden just, it's like, it's so buggy, I can't. So what did people do? They went to Mac. It's on the market or they went to Linux. I can't run my servers on Windows. I'm going to run them all on Linux. It's like, okay, well, that's an operating system. And, and the interesting part about it is that even the materialists, and the embracing of AI is that they are behaving in a mystical manner. They have to, because what are they doing? They are engaging, they are removing their agency. And they are saying, they're not saying Jesus take the wheel, but they're saying disembodied consciousness <laughs> that I can't understand, take the wheel. There's no difference between that and worship. Please don't turn me into a paperclip. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good reference. <laughs> That's a so, good reference. <laughs> so, so here's a, is when you were talking about, you know, the, the spirit of this world and materialism and it sounded, uh, 
it sounded like a very Gnostic thing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, I think Gnosticism is almost like a first step for a lot of people who all of a mm-hmm. sudden have the, the wool pulled from their eyes. But here's where it lacks courage and where Christianity is uniquely bold, like courageously bold, that it redeems everything. Even the, even the hell itself is harrowed by Christ, right? The, the material is not just something to be shunned, but there's a redeemed version. So here's, so here's my question. I was thinking a lot about this, this AI technology. Okay, so maybe, it's a, maybe it was inspired by demons. Maybe it's a, a portal through which demonic entities are interacting creating all kinds of mayhem. And then I thought, imagine one of the most diabolical things you can imagine. Someone, uh, an entity whispering to someone, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about a technology that's going to be this crazy innovation in human suffering. It's going to be the most gruesome. It's going gonna, it's gonna to combine public humility with physical pain. With, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whisper this into your ear. And I want you to use it and implement it. It's going to be a big part of the political and social structure. And that technology is the cross, like a gruesome way to die. But what does Christianity do, right? It takes the most diabolical technology you can imagine, a symbol of grotesque death, like unnecessarily grotesque. This is like, let's make you suffer as long as possible in public display instead of just mercifully taking your life for some crime. Taking that thing, the most diabolical technology you can imagine, redeeming it so fully that now the symbol of the cross actually scares demons. That's what Christianity does. This is what Tolkien called the eucatastrophe, right? Every bad thing turns into a good thing. What the devil meant for evil gets turned for good. So that's my question. What is the redemption arc? Is there some way in which AI is intended for evil, the final blow? Satan's like, ha, I got it. I finally, I got Jesus crucified. We won, right? And it's like, nope, the very means that you thought you would win was the means of your own destruction. What does that look like? That pattern repeats in Christianity. So how does that play in with AI? Because I hear the, the warnings and the pattern matching with demons, but there's always a, they get smacked by their own plan in the end. Like, what's that look like? Is there a redeemed version of AI that defeats darkness? That's the key question. And it's the question in all of this that nobody has has asked explicitly and that uh, in some ways you asking it explicitly, I realize is something that I haven't articulated, but I'm certainly like living it, right? Mm-hmm. So people would think that it's a black pill and I'm realizing that perhaps the reason people think it's a black pill is because maybe I haven't explained how it's actually a it's, it is actually a white pill, and maybe it's because I'm taking some things for granted, as like because the orthodox. I was I, I was going to say, Ben, that white pill. the white pill version is like AI is great; it will make us more productive. The black pill is like AI is terrible; it's demons. The gold pill. We got to come up with pill. new pill colors. The gold it's, pill. It's the, right? it's the gold pill. Okay, so so let's give some background, right? Let's give some background. So, okay, no one is more tormented by demons than the saints. Like if you go, you want to read like the father of monasticism, right? St. Anthony the Great. And go and read the life of St. Anthony the Great. He's having, he's in the desert by himself. And he's having basically a daily rumble with the devil, like the devil, like as an individual. Like the devil is knocking stuff out of his hands. Like the devil's doing crazy. Like the devil is a person, okay? Interacting with St. Anthony the Great. Okay, so and this is one of the the greatest saints. 
of Christianity, like the father of all monasticism, basically the the de- the original desert father, desert right? father, yeah, can't get can't get more holy than this dude, okay? Demons, and you go throughout, and it's like the saints are doing battle with the demons, the monks are doing ba- to become a monk is to put a target on your back. That it's like, I'm ready to go to, I'm going to go to war right now. Come on. It's not, go into a monastery is not how you escape the demons. That's how you go to war with them. That's how you're like, Being a man who says, I'm going to remain celibate. (laughs) It's like the the surface area for attack, you know? Yeah. Dude, fasting, right? Nonstop work. How about silence? Okay, valid. I'd, I'd be dead right there on the silence one. <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, come on. Come on. Pull me out of this. I got I got it, right? So that's the first thing to realize. Second thing is the Orthodox understanding, certainly, of the persecutions of the church. So we could go back to, you know, the Roman, like the Diocletian persecutions, which is, I mean, I don't know how many thousands of martyrs we're talking about there, right? All the way up to the Soviet persecution which we're talking tens or hundreds of millions of Christians, hundreds of thousands of clergy executed, right? So, and the fall of Constantinople and what happened there and the, you know, the the caliphate taking over and obviously brutally murdered the, the Turks and the Greeks, same sort of situation, right? The understanding of all of those is that like, oh, no, 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 this is when the church shines, like, this is when martyrs are made. And the analog of this in America, a reflection, not a total analog, but an absolute reflection would be something like the civil rights movement. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what they were embodying. The, the more that. you try to kill it, the stronger it gets. The yeah. stronger it gets. It's anti-fragile. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, well, this is the time that martyrs are made. And martyr means witness, bearing witness. Right. And it's like that. But we also saw that over the last three years in a tiny, tiny microcosm, because it was the churches that said, no, we are staying open. You don't have to wear a mask here. We are not changing around how we serve the Eucharist. No, we will not. Right. It was churches in uh, there were uh, who is now the metropolitan of Montenegro. But at the time, he was a bishop during covid. They had locked it, locked it down in Montenegro. And he and the, the other clergy were like, no, what we do here in this church when there's a plague is we do processions. Well, they went out and did processions and they were arrested. They were arrested. But the Montenegrin church is like, has grown because of that. Because they were shown to be right. Right? Again, what I'm saying, like, well, if the absurd, absurd people did their worst to you, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's one of the Beatitudes. Persecuted for righteousness sake. They were clearly they were righteous. That was the right move. And so now we get to AI. So what does that mean? And this is why I've been using the hashtag stop summoning demons. That it's like, no, this is how AI is redeemed. AI is redeemed. Because you have the opportunity to satisfy your passions. So right, right now we're in, um, uh, 
we are in uh, Lent, Great Lent, right? And that's why I've, I've even got a little bit of a brain fog because I haven't eaten very much, <laughs> right? So we're in Great Lent. And uh, so we say the, the prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian, right, with our prayer rule. And it's, uh, O Lord and Master of my life, the beginning is, give me not a spirit of sloth, despair, lust of power, or idle talk. Well, what does AI give you? Sloth, it's going to do all your work, right? That's your passion. Despair, this dude just suicide. So you go to this thing to answer your questions. That's why he went there, the one who committed suicide. Lust of power. Oh, man, Andrew Torba, Gab AI, all these people with AI, the, the biggest proponents, what is it really all about? Lust of power. It'll give us the power to do this. It'll even the, the, the field between these things or idle talk. Well, it's a chat bot. Right? Isn't that what people are spending their time doing? Just talking idly with it? There's the prayer of saying it, say it two times a day now. We say it, all Orthodox say it two times a day during Great Lent. It, it's, it's, if you look at the, the algorithms that you talk a lot about in the attention economy, as like the precursor to AI, yep. it's almost easier to see the pattern because a lot of us haven't really interacted with chat GPT or like really played around, like know what, what does this mean? But this idea of try to remain holy, those things that you just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. Try to make your thoughts pure, not full of gossip, not full of, you know, no lust, all these things while scrolling any Can't. social media platform. It's impossible. And, and it's and it's like, well, what if I only follow certain people that the stuff that they share is pure? You still can't because you're going to get pushed other stuff, whether through ads or something that they, the algorithm is constantly changing. Like you can go watch a YouTube video about uh, hesychasm mm -hmm. and all of a sudden an ad pops up that's like mm -hmm. something that's taking your mind in the complete opposite direction, right? And so that idea of if you create an algorithm whose job it is, is to give you what you want at the base level and you interact with that thing, do you think it's going to be easier or harder to become a more holy version of yourself, right? <laughs> well, it be, it, because it's all a matter of what you want, right? So so, so it's, O Lord and Master of my life, give me not a spirit of sloth, despair, lust of power, and idle talk, but give rather a spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love to thy servant. Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own transgressions and not to judge my brother, for blessed art thou unto ages of ages. Amen. And then you do, uh, O Lord, O God, cleanse me a sinner. O God, cleanse me a sinner. Twelve times. Cleanse me. I'm a sinner. Right? Not to judge my brother. Grant me to see my own transgressions. And it's like, well, this is, the, this is, so what do we have the opportunity to do? We have the opportunity to say no. That's the line. Mm. This is how it's redeemed. It's redeemed in that it's going to offer you what you want. It's going to solve what you think is some problem. Mm. How it's redeemed is for you to realize and to stop and to think, do I want that? And if I do, why do I want that? And, and to begin, it's a perfect opportunity because if you're really going to approach it that way, you're going to need some sort of system. You're going to need some sort of system for contemplation and for discernment. And you're going to need some so, sort of 
system for contemplation and discernment that is properly oriented toward the goal that you want. Because otherwise, if it's just going to be transcendental meditation, oh, it's going to get you. Because now all you're doing is, as it says in the gospel, you're just cleaning out the house. You got the demon out. You cleaned out the house. And once it sees that it's nice and clean, it comes back with seven more. Yeah. You got to fill it with something else. And, and this is where it's like, okay, somebody might be like, okay, I hate, but I, I'm against organized religion. And it's like, okay, great. You're against organized religion, but like, do you have an alternative that doesn't look like organized religion? And it's like, well, maybe what you think is organized religion is just like something that's good and has worked against demons for a long time. And so what do people naturally do with things that work? Well, they build institutions around them to make sure that it keeps going, right? Why is there the Motion Picture Academy of America? Why is there unions? Why were there guilds? Why did those things exist? It's not, it's not like the guilds didn't create carpentry. It's like, no, people figured out how to do carpentry. And then they were like, how do we make sure that we can keep having carpentry? Because this is like really useful. And how do we make sure that there's not other people saying that like that thing that they're doing is carpentry and they don't really know? Like, how do we, how, what can we do about that? And it's like human beings figure it out. They make an institution. That's what happens. And, and I think one of the interesting things you see about how much the world has changed in the last few years in peacetime, let's say you have the luxury of saying, eh, I'm going to stay at an arm's length of any institution in which I can see corruption, inefficiency, mm -hmm. deception, whatever. And you can say, look, maybe the church is preserving things that are actually really good and useful and valuable, but the institutions developed around it to do so are undeniably corrupt. I mean, like you said, who's going to have a bigger target on their back, right? Who, who's mm -hmm. going to face the most spiritual warfare? You're, you would expect to see those things in the church, but you can say, I don't like the way it's structured. I mean, when wartime comes, you kind of can't afford to, right? You have to, you have to be like, okay, I need a system for protection and to understand the world. And if I adopt that system merely intellectually, the system itself basically tells you that's not possible, right? Like you that's have right. to be in communion with others. You have, there's all these, then you're like, okay, well, if I want that, I'm basically going to have to accept the fact that I'm going to have to join a group, a church, an institution that is corrupt in all kinds of different ways. Well, and once you that is filled, I think there's a difference, right? There's a difference between an institution being corrupt and an institution being filled with corrupt people. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right, because it's always the people that are corrupt yes. at the end of the day, right? Like, we the institution, you know, it's like, and especially when you talk about like, the church and particularly if you're talking about like the ancient church it's very difficult to get your your hands around the institution because i mean saint anthony the great clearly part of the church clearly all by himself in the desert yeah yeah saint mary of saint mary of egypt right who's who's a saint we're commemorating all throughout lent she's all over the place in in all kinds of uh, canons and of course she has her own sunday right again all by herself not part of the church, clearly not a member of the clergy. She's a woman, right? And even in her story, 
She encounters a monk. That's the famous part of her story. You know, she encounters a monk. She's literally naked in the desert where she's been for decades. And then she's talking to him and she starts speaking and she starts speaking scripture. Like verbatim. And he says, oh, you're, you're quoting scripture. Are you like educated? Like what's, what is this? And she said, I've never read any scripture, nor have I ever heard it read to me. She said, but the spirit, but the Holy Spirit that makes men wise teaches men things. And so it's basically like, if you, if you do the practice, you wind up with the same knowledge because it's a single, it's a single truth is just, it's a truth is a single thing. <laughs> so it's like, so long as you're oriented towards it, you may get there. If, I don't think you want to spend 20 years in the desert, like St. Mary of Egypt, but it's an example to say that, hey, you don't like organized religion. You could just go in the desert fast, pray for the next 20 years. You'll get you'll get the info, you but can't. there's just a, an easier way to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the hard <laughs> way, yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, this is sort of a, a side topic, but I just recently uh, read the story of St. Cyprian, who's whose name you've taken of Antioch or of Carthage the one who you, I, you the tell sorcerer, me what point is. I, the think, I think this is the one you took he was like a sorcerer like yeah, that's Antioch yeah that's right mine. and so this is that's this is what's so patriot. interesting right he was using the technology of magic right? right an interface with dark entities that give you what you want if you prompt them properly and was very very powerful and learned in this from my understanding yes and then at some point there was like, he was trying to help somebody, uh, like a client, people would pay him to do this stuff or yes. something like that. Trying to help, uh, the guy wanted a girl to fall in love with him. Yes. And apparently she was a Christian and all these yes. spells didn't work. And so finally this Cyprian got so angry. I don't remember exactly how it came about, but he ended up encountering the devil himself. He called and on the devil. Himself. He called, he called on the devil. He tried to like bargain or something. And when the, the devil was going to, to kill him. Well, the devil failed. Okay. That okay. That's right. He, okay. That's he called right. Called on the devil. The devil failed. And then when the devil came back, Cyprian starts going at him. Like what's, what? That's right. Know? So, so he tries all these spells and they all fail. And then he escalates it like to Satan, the devil himself couldn't make this woman fall in love with this guy because she was a Christian and she was praying. And so the guys, he, so Cyprian starts yelling at the devil and the devil's like, how dare you? And went to kill him. And Cyprian held up a cross. He did the sign of the cross or did the, the sign of the cross. Of the cross. And so, so this story, what I love about it is it's a dude who is using essentially a technology to get what he wants, runs up against a limit against yep. which this technology no longer works. And when his life is on the line, he grabs the next adjacent technology, the next adjacent. Well, the superior technology, the technology that had beaten him because she's exactly. beating him with the sign. Yes. Of, she, that, that's the important part. She kept she was doing the sign everything of the cross. that he sent with the sign of the cross. She, yes. That's all she was doing to beat it. <laughs> yep. And, and that, and I think that idea of like, when it hits its limit and you run out of options, and this is kind of the, the discussion we we're having earlier about like people with a materialist worldview have basically come to that point where they've, it's hit its limit. It has no explanatory power anymore. And so what are they going to reach for? They need something that has superior explanatory power for the world they're inhabiting. And that's sort of the, the gold pill, right? All, all, all magic, all deals with the devil. They always hit a limit. They hit a limit, right? What, what does C.S. Lewis say in the Chronicles of Narnia? Like, yeah, there's magic. It's with this dark magic is real, but there's a deeper magic, deep, right? Magic. 
there's a deeper magic. And like, that's the redemptive mm-hmm. arc, you know? Well, it's, it's so interesting that you bring that up. I mean, the, it is, cause it is about technology. It is a technology thing. And I think it's why my spiritual father was like, before he baptized me, he was like, you will be Cyprian. He told me, he was like, you will be Cyprian. That is that he is, that is your patron, which is a, if, if, if you think, if you like Cyprian, like you should read up about his, uh, there's some good articles about his, the, the church, the main church that um, venerates him, which is in Romania, I believe. And it's uh woo. It's a trip because he's also venerated in like the left-hand path still magic. Like supposedly oh, some of, some of his books that he had written um, are still circulating. So like they're still used the grimoires that he wrote are still used. And so like, witches and stuff will go in and like carve off pieces of the church and use it in their spells and stuff. It's really, he's a really, really interesting saint because he rides the line between left hand and and right hand. But what's interesting when you talk about technology is the next part about it with, with him is he went to the Bishop and uh, he, he, he went and had the Bishop like start teaching him a little bit, not, not very long. He went to him and said, this is the thing. The Bishop said, throw out your books. He said, okay, I'll throw out my books. And then uh, his first liturgy that he attended, there's a part in the ancient church. It still is there, but they don't make the catechumens leave where the catechumens have to leave. It's before the Eucharist. So anybody who's not baptized has to leave. So you only get like what the, 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 the first part, the liturgy of the word, he refused to leave his first liturgy. He said, you'll baptize me right now right now. I'm not leaving. Baptize me right now. I'm staying. And they baptized him. Right. And because he had, he, if anybody knows the power of the cross, like the technology, if anybody's familiar with the principles of the technology, like you had brought up sports teams, it's kind of just like somebody switching, switching teams. It's not like the game changed. He's like, no, no, no. I understand the spirit. Yeah. world. I got it. Yeah. I was just playing for the other team. I'm playing for this team now. I got it. Baptize me. I'm good. And then he was ordained a deacon in like two days, a priest in like a week or something like that. And then a bishop within a year, which is unheard of. And and then he became a martyr with that same virgin. Hmm. The two of them were actually ended up down the road. She established a monastery. They, they were, and they were martyred together. So Cyprian and Justin are celebrated together, but, but this is the key as people move forward, I think that interaction with AI, weirdly enough, in terms of it being redeemed, will push people to the cross. Why do I say that? Because I think that there's a lot of people who think that they're going to go and interact with these demons and that it's going because they're being fed this, they've been fed this materialist thing that if only I had X, right? Like these creatives, the ones who are rationalizing. If only I had more time to do, you know, the real creative work and not the busy work, you know, not the setup and and all of that. If only I had more time to do that, then I would be so much more creative. I think what they're going to learn is that that was the only thing keeping them creative because Mm. it's the practice. It's the thing that they have to go to. It's the piece of suffering. I mean, it's, you know, I love Blake like the the uh, author and painter and everything and the weird thing about and terrifying yeah terrifying him as an artist the thing the thing that i think is so incredible about him was that 
He did everything. Like he was the writer, the artist, the bookmaker, the printer, the engraver, made made his own inks, did every, every single piece of it was him. And there was a time when artists had to make their own inks. If you were a painter, you couldn't buy ink. You had to literally know how to make the ink. And I think that, so this is just the further step away, 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 away. And what I think people are going to realize is that they're going to yearn for what they lost. They're going to yearn for, because that was really what gave them meaning. And, and you, and you see this, you see this happening already in small ways, this trend of kind of recentering your circle of trust, exchange, influence to something more local, either geographically or with some more tighter nodes. And, and I, here's this thought that I've been having, uh, you tell me what you think of it, of this sort of, if you've got AI literally roaming around the web, consuming it, like it's only partially been let out of the cage to that degree mm -hmm. from my understanding. I imagine that the World Wide web as we know it will become a horrifying, dangerous place that you mm -hmm. rarely ever connect with. And that people will occasionally, you gotta do certain things there, but it's like going to conduct business in like the back alley of a busy city. You got to occasionally do it and you just get out as fast as you can. You pull down your stuff offline. You got your literally like thumb drives come back in, in again. You have local intranets where you and your neighbors are connected, but you're not connected. You're not piped into the big web and you're not letting whatever bots are creeping around on there get into your system. You got firewalls everywhere and you kind of have this and you have a, a version of that with like people moving to like moving to rural areas, but being like remote workers. And kind of, there's like this yearning to kind of say, okay, I still want some of the labor saving benefits of technology mm -hmm. and the ability to communicate globally, but I don't want to be plugged in to like the mass info blob anymore. And when that mass info blob can literally be weaponized around your desires and is running around doing things that no one understands, that escalates so much that you have this kind of, and there's a downside to this. This is like a de-civilizational process where humans yes. become like, yes. and there's a, there's a downside to that. It's sad. People like the glories of the, the, the pinnacle of technological and civil, whatever, but there's also an upside to it because what has everybody been longing for? Mm -hmm. Like more real connect. How many, I've, I've spent most of the last 15 years working with young people early in their careers. And I am kind of like, Technically, maybe a millennial, but I, I older sibling. I come from Gen X, sure, basically. Sure, sure. I lived in that that milieu, and so I took me forever to like take seriously this constant refrain. They want connection. They want. They're just lonely. They want connection. And think about that word connection. We are in the most connected age of human history, but what's missing is connection. That's the word everyone says. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's inevitable pain with whatever unfolds and, and the speed at which it's unfolding. We don't have time for new cultural norms to develop around it. Like it's mm -hmm. going to happen so fast. It will eventually, but, but there's, but there's like a beauty in what it forces us to realize. I think. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I, and I agree. I'm totally hopeful. It's, it's interesting that you frame this as a generational thing because it's, a, that's an important piece of this. Um, I mean, I turned 45 this year and I was on the internet in 1995, right? I was, I was in high school. That's when I first got on, on the internet. I think I was sophomore. 
um, maybe a junior 95. Yeah. We, we built a, my brother and I built a computer and we're on with the AOL CDs on in yep. about the same yep. time. Yep. Windows that, 95. That, was, that was, that was right there. And before that I was on like BBS's bulletin boards. People don't even know what those are. Yeah. I, I don't know. That was right? before my time, but it's interesting. And you can hear some of this if you go back and, and watch, there's a few videos out there of some of the people who are, you know, involved, but really like Terrence McKenna, go back and listen to some of his talks around that time, 93, 94. He was way out ahead of this talking about what it will bring. The, the promise that was there that everybody talked about what it was about connection. And early on that was, we know that was the promise because Friendster, MySpace, yeah. right? Even Facebook, What's the idea? What is it called when you're connected? Friends. These are my friends. It was all about more friends. Why? Because that, that is fulfilling to our life. That gives our life meaning. That's what we're really after is a real connection, not just an acquaintance. No, no, no. A friend. A friend. I mean, the first social media that blew up was Friendster. Right? Friendster. And I think that, you know, to your point about what happens with the web and, and also what's hopeful, and this is really the key. And it's, it, this is the sheep from the goats in a way, mm. okay? This is, this is where the sheep from the goats happens. And there's going to be suffering in terms of the fall of this civilization. So this is the end of our civilization. AI is the thing that ends civilization as we know it, okay? That's, what, that's the first thing to come to acceptance on. Now, does that mean that it's like everything explodes and all of that? I actually think it's it's actually, you know, it's not a bang, but a whimper, interestingly mm. enough, as most civilizations are a whimper instead, right? So what what's really going to happen is the web is going to become unusable, completely unusable without an AI because it's going to become all machine to machine. And, and people will be fine with that because, and but it'll be like, so this, maybe this is web three. It'll just be that the web, maybe the web one and two versions of things kind of stick around, but they're just like unusable. They're not updated, whatever, because everybody's using their AI assistant to go out there. And why do they have to use the AI assistant? Well, the same reason that you use Gmail. Why do you use Gmail? Why does Gmail have it all? Well, go look at your junk folder. Go look at your spam folder. You're getting spam. Gmail, people don't remember, Gmail solved spam with algorithms. They had an algorithm that would reliably eliminate spam and reliably give you the emails that you wanted so you didn't have to have spam. So you send your AI out there because the AI is smart enough to defeat the other AIs and to get to navigate through the <laughs> maze that is now the minefield. You as a human being can't even do it. One, because they're not human readable. The sites are no longer human readable because why would they be if they're designed for AI assistance, right? And two, because even if they, everything that's human readable is just filled with crap yeah. that, that is put there by other AIs. It's a mind, it's a minefield. So you need to have this. Okay, so the web goes away. So everybody's using these these AIs. So who who are really the so that alone is the end of civilization as we know it. And people just get dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber who are doing that. No innovation, there can't be innovation anymore. People don't even know how to innovate. They're not being educated anymore. They're just being taught how to write prompts. 
or how to speak correctly to an AI to get what they want. And then you don't even need education. Why do I need to know anything? The AI knows everything. You got kind of e the Eloy, right? From uh, from Time Machine. But it's almost, the, it's almost the reverse of the fear that everybody has about capitalism, industrialization, that specialization just goes so far. Everybody's so specialized. They only know their special field and nothing else. You know, you know how to produce a widget that goes to another widget that goes to another tool, but you don't know. It's almost like, well, no, now we're all such total generalists. All we have to know how to do is talk to an AI about what we want. Well, that's like, not there's even no a specialization. That's not even a generalist. That's a pet. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's what we will be. We will be, we will be pets, right? That the only, really the only thing that's necessary. And I don't think we're going to get to robots either. Like that's the whole thing. I don't think we make it there. Mm. I think that's a level of the tower of Babel that we never even create <laughs> to be honest with you, but who benefits? Like it's actually the technology of today. That is the highest technology before the AI that is going to be crazy useful. And the communities that just decide, you know what? we'll still, we'll take on to be able to actually have the skills still as electricians and plumbers and be able to do all of this. And some smaller manufacturing, we'll manufacture solar cells, but on a much smaller kind of level, right? And that those sorts of nations, communities, the places that are unable to upgrade and so are still doing things like this are going to continue on a parallel track hmm. because they're just not going to have the access to the internet anymore without the AI. And they're going to be like, ah, well, we don't really have all the things for the AI. It's going to take a lot of infrastructure to do. We can't really do all of that. And so they're going to find their little niche to go in. And this is exactly what the, the fall of the Roman empire looked like in the West. It's exactly what it looked like. Yeah, the cottage, cottage industry. Cottage industries. And then, and we, and then we will come back into something else, but it's like AI is the end. AI is the end. It's the end of civilization as we know it. There's no more innovation. There's no more innovation. Because there doesn't have to be. The, the, the spirit doesn't have... Because this is, this is what the innovation was for, right? This is what, the what end. Do you, what do you say to the... You know, when I was talking to Steve, he's like, imagine if you didn't have the constraints of, you know, whatever, needing to know architectural engineering principles, blah, blah, blah. And you could say, hey build for me a structure that does X, Y, and Z and has this style and is architecturally sound and doesn't violate any zoning laws and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And you can get like blueprints, the materials get sourced, et cetera. How, how does that not, how do you not say, oh, well, this is going to be a flowering of innovation because now all of these constraints are removed and you get to literally go from your imagination. If you can describe it, you can create it. Isn't that a flowering poor, of innovation? Poor Steve, poor Steve. You know, with all respect to Steve, Steve has never had any technological innovation. He's, he's never, in a, he's not an innovator. Because any innovator will tell you, it is the constraints that breed the innovation. The more constraints, the more innovation. But, but, if, but if that were true, wouldn't it be like, hey, the, more, the most innovative people are working with sticks and stones? No, 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 because it's not those... Well, you might say the most innovative people are, are those who worked with sticks and stones. Because if you look at the, the, the leap, the innovative leaps of something like the introduction of fire, 
right? There's no, we haven't had even, even the idea of, uh, you know, going from horses to space, uh, ships to putting satellites in space, that leap in technology is nothing compared to no fire and now fire. Like cooked food. Or no agriculture and agriculture. Or no domesticated animals and domesticated animals. That, that leap in innovation is, is bigger than anything. And who were the people doing that? Well, the ones working with sticks and stones. And then would you say after that leap, so you go from no fire to fire. Well, now you have fire. Now people are less innovative because they have fewer constraints on what they can do. Like, do you, do you think this pattern is like, okay, we, you could say AI it's, is it's big how you, It's how you judge innovation. It's how you judge innovation. Because I, I'm, I'm sure that Steve is judging innovation based upon like, oh, hey, look at this new thing. So novelty right? Novelty. When I'm talking about technological innovation, I'm talking about those things that, that are not, I'm not talking about market driven innovation. I'm talking about paradigm shifting innovation. Those are few and far between, few and far between. And, and those things are all inspired. When we look throughout history and we look to those innovators, it's always a flash of lightning, a light bulb, the apple that falls on the head. It's always those things. And and why does it have to be those things? Because you are because you are so constrained. There's no way to think your way. You can't focus group your way to one of the, to a discovery like that. Right? These things yeah. are going to happen through trial and error and every single time then the innovation. And it's part of you running up against the limit. It is you hitting the limit. And this is just a spiritual principle. It's when you hit the limit, but this is also true physically. Right. Where is the Where do the gains happen? Anybody who's done bodybuilding? Well, it's after failure. That's when it that's when it occurs or what people might call a second wind. Like that's when the miracle happens. If you if you you can't, what I will say is you will be un you will be so unused to thinking your way through problems. How could you ever because innovation is problem solving. Right. And it takes practice. That's why you see from certain individuals like so much innovation. Those individuals, those people who are innovators are going to be like, what are you talking about? No, I want to hit the limit. It's like saying, well, wouldn't you imagine? Well, imagine if you could have a machine that took you to that took you to muscle failure or that, that would do all the thing. And then you would still have energy afterwards, right? So you have a machine that can do the 15 reps and then you can just do the final three and they won't even be hard. And you're like, dude, I can't gain any muscle that way. The 15 reps is the point. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point. And it's like for innovators, it's, it's, the hitting the limit, that is the point. Let me give you, I'll, I'll give you a prime example of this because he is like a hero of mine. And I don't know why people don't, like he should be considered, he should be dropped into like, in terms of innovators, top three. 
but never mentioned. I couldn't even find an audiobook um, biography of him, which is incredible to me because Incredible Life. I don't even know if there's a written one. Goodyear. Goodyear that the tire company is named after. Okay. This is the guy who discovered the process for making vulcanized rubber. Okay. Now, vulcanized rubber is in literally everything and industry, the modern world, impossible without it. If for nothing else, then it's gaskets. Like it seals gaskets. You have no industry without, never, never mind everything that's, that's turning on wheels, all kind of conveyor belts. It's in your shoes. There's literally gaskets in this. It's in your computers, rubbers everywhere. It's the tires on the road. You, we couldn't have any of the modern world without it. Goodyear, were, it was basically like 25 years of him trying nonstop. He went broke. He died a pauper. His two wives left him. He's basically, it was just anything that he could scrounge together to, to figure out how to make the type of rubber that we take for granted that's everywhere. 25 years. And it was going through every single process. And it's like, that's what it looks like. That sort of struggle, that sort of singleness of purpose. That's the 15 reps to failure. And not even a biography on Audible about it. And you don't think that could, uh, you could spend 15 years trying to get, trying to get the right prompt for your AI to, to spit out but, something. But you how want. do you, the question is, how do you even know what prompt to give it? See, the reason why it's useful now, this is what people are not understanding. The people who are giving it prompts are people who are masters of the craft. So they know exactly what to tell it to do. Okay, but when it's doing the thing, no one becomes a master of the craft. You can't become a master. There would be no reason for you to become a master of the craft. I see. It's just like very few painters can go out into nature, walk around, and come back with the ingredients to make so, green paint. <laughs> so it may be the case that the transitional generation yes. finds all kinds of amazing fun value and use cases but as this thing for, goes for two years for the next when, two years okay it because is amazing they were, they're putting themselves out of work mm, yeah 3d artists have already put themselves out of work there's already reports from 3d artists who are like i can't i all i do is do prompts all day well it's very soon going to come to the point where it'll just be self-serve and it yeah. doesn't need this 3d artist to give a prompt anymore it's just the client just gives the prompt and whoever owns that business, because this isn't an independent 3D artist, this is someone working for a studio, whoever owns that business is not going to keep the artist around when they could. the client can just give a prompt in an email. See, that, that, like, component, oh, that component of AI to me doesn't seem to differ from other technological innovations. Like, yeah, the buggy makers go out of business, right? When the automobile... Well, it does because the first things going out of business are the things that we thought machines could never do. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. And Creative. that, that, that tells us something, right? The things that are inspired that you should, that we thought, Oh, don't you have to be inspired to do this? Yeah. And that's where, Filled that's where I thought, spirit. <laughs> I always assumed like, yeah, software eating the world is awesome because filing your taxes 
filling out horrible, all the kind of boring stuff that you basically feel like a machine when you're doing it. Cool. Let machines do it. And humans are freed up. But you don't need AI stuff. for that. Right. And that's where it's so interesting that all this AI stuff has started in the opposite direction. Like, Hey, look, it, it can make pictures and symphonies and all this. It's just, it's so unexpected. Like to me, that was an unexpected twist. And people like, so people are like, Oh, it's not going to end civilization. They'll be like, Oh, you're being hyperbolic. It's not going to end civilization. I say, oh, it's not going to end civilization. Civilization as we know it, human civilization, it's not going to end it. Okay. So when we're studying Roman civilization, because of my formal education was in philosophy. So of course, classics was required, right? That was required. Well, what is classics? Go and look at the curriculum for classics 101, right? Which is Greek and Roman. Well, what do you study? Art, music, pottery, architecture. Oh, food, right? It does recipes now. People love to use AI for recipes now. It's like, oh, okay. So what's left of a civilization if the if there's no people doing art, music? Yeah, every everything we use to define it by, yeah, has been upended. So it, by definition, that's the end of civilization as we know it. Yeah, uh, Vin, I gotta I gotta wrap this up. We could yeah. I feel like we could go for a lot longer. I would love, I would love to see you and Steve talk about this because I actually think his his view is not as he's way more open about um, what this thing possibly is or whether it's good or bad than maybe I made it uh, appear. But I think it'd be a very interesting combo. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I think it'd be a very interesting who knows who knows. I mean, he and I have he and I have a history. We have a long I, I know you guys have had some debates over uh, all kinds of things. So Steve has had debates with pretty much everybody. He's a good friend of mine, though. So I think I think right now where we're at is, um, you know, people are going to have to very, very soon put their money where their mouth is. And um, the good thing about this particular. Call it a prediction, if you will, that I'm making is we're going to know really fast. Yeah. Like we're going to know the, the speed of this thing is like two to three years. Crazy. The difference between GPT yeah. three and four was like insane. And GPT three almost didn't exist in like December. Yeah. We're in March. Yeah. We're in March. So, or, or, well, now we are, we'll be in April tomorrow for me. So I think that, that it's just like, to me, there's no debate. To me, there's no debate. It's just like, I'm putting, I, I fully believe that I see where this thing is going. Um, and for me, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll say, because I know you need to wrap it up. For me, I, my line is, I will not interact. I believe the red line is natural language with that entity. That's mm -hmm. it. I will not do it. Somebody could call me a neo-Luddite. That's, 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 that's it. I will never do it. Never do it. And so I'm very interested in... Maybe that's like the steampunk version. I'm very interested in seeing where does the human society go that just nothing, it's literally nothing else except just saying, you can do everything else that we're currently doing, except no, I will not interact with the demon. <laughs> like, and maybe the demon's doing some other things out there and you know, products come to you that whatever, but that you personally are just like, I will not interact with the demon in natural language. I will not talk to it. I will not engage with it. I will be exactly to say, oh, it's just you, the devil, and go back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
I love it, Ben. Maybe in uh, coming months or years, we can do a we can do a retrospective yeah, the, on this yeah, episode. Let's so let's see. <laughs> so good to talk with you, man. Everybody, uh, if you don't follow Cyprian on Twitter, go check him out. He's he's always always thought provoking. Good to bro. see you again. Good to see you.